Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Golden Knights. With an expiring contract after the 2023 season, is VGK's Max Pacioretty a player that could be traded? Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco. You could follow us at Locked On VGK. Me at Tony Dasco on Twitter. Chris Golick at TD Chris G. Thanks for making Locked On Golden Knights your first listen each and every day. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. And Chris. Something that Kelly McCrimmon said, something that he mentioned in his end of the season address is really something that's sticking. It's stuck in my mind uh, about perhaps VGK taking a look to get rid of expiring contracts during this offseason. One of those contracts that expires after the upcoming campaign is that of Max Pacioretty. Pacioretty making $7 million a year and the Golden Knights are looking for some cap relief. Pacioretty, 37 points in just 39 games due to all of those injuries this past season, including the broken foot in the Kings game, the second game of the season, four game-winning goals. He played in the final 10 games of the season due to all those injuries. And the biggest question we have today, we know about his leadership. He's a former captain in Montreal. But right now, does Max Pacioretty, with the multitude of injuries, does he have trade value? Um, I mean, let's see if Claude Julien winds up being our head coach, don't they have history back in Montreal going way back a little bit? So, uh, <clears throat> maybe there's another twist. I'm not sure hundred percent if they were together or not, but you never know. Um, does he have trade value? Of course he has trade value. Um, is his max trade value right now or is it wait and see how the season goes? And, you know, if a player were to go down, and things of that nature. You look at um, a situation like Evander Kane, obviously, how he helped Edmonton go on their deep run. Just taking a gander at his stats, um, injuries last year, shortened season, like his numbers don't necessarily seem to be tapering off a ton. He's always in that, you know, 60, 70 point range uh, at this term of it, at this point of his career. So he is certainly going to be a big contributor should he stay healthy and you know last year his health was bone and bone injuries just bad luck unfortunate bounces um you know right place wrong time type of situations uh blocking pucks and such so looking at his health and the stamina and fatigue factor and things like that his body did, did not take that much of a beating last year so there is a very good chance patch will have a strong bounce back type of campaign, um, or at least we hope our potential trade partners think the same. Um, personally, I think Pacioretty is pivotal for the power play and of super importance. So I would prefer VGK to find a way to keep someone like that. And all these times we've had so, so much trouble scoring, Pacioretty is able to find different ways to score, um, mainly with that uh, quick-release wrist shot from uh, the right circle and such. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. He ran away from Claude Julian once. And <laughs> you have to wonder if Julian becomes the head coach here in Las Vegas, what happens? Would that be enough for Pacioretty to ask for another trade? That's why he left Montreal, many suspect. Julian was the head coach in Boston. And they go back to when he was the head coach there. And he thought that Pacioretty embellished a high-sticking call. And he called him out. And they had a, a lot of uh, back and forth in the media And uh, Julian also said at one point that he would play the hell out of his veterans, including Pacioretty. Um, And I don't feel that he ever took to Julian's system after playing for Michelle Therion there in in Montreal. And the one thing that we learned late in the season, and it probably was not more evident than towards the end of this campaign, was that leadership role again. Uh, Just the leadership of Max Pacioretty in the clubhouse, and that has to carry a lot of weight as well. Uh, But as we know, Alan Walsh is his agent, and uh, Walsh likes to stir things up. And Walsh also, and Pacioretty's been pretty quiet since he came over from Montreal. Has not been as outspoken, I feel, as he was when he was in Montreal. But Alan Walsh, we know the way him and uh, the front office of EGK, the way that they collide, be interesting to see how this shakes out. No doubt, 100%. Um, you have all these conflicting personalities and uh, millionaires arguing with millionaires being paid by billionaire owners. So they're not told no or that they're wrong too often. So it is always kind of fun when uh, these things do uh, bubble up and uh, you have all this uh, mayhem that ensues between players and agents and owners and general managers. Um, but again, to Pacioretty's credit, he has come here and been a very much business first type of mentality. And we really, like you just said, Tony, he has not been that outspoken. And the most we heard about him uh, was that four or five minute press conference where he was pretty brutally honest down the stretch about how things were going, how he has to improve. And uh, kept the word chemistry was mentioned and things like that. And then Pacioretty also delivered after that on the ice. He was still scoring goals. He was just very noticeable on the ice. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be some things to work out. And a good call on digging up all that history with uh, Pacioretty and uh, and, and Julian. So that would be interesting if Julian did come in, um, how long, if at all, Pacioretty would end up being here. I have to add another note on Julian. He's known as a defensive head coach. And in the past, we were talking about that yesterday on the show. uh, But he had teams that were near the top in puck possession in the offensive zone uh, back dating back to Boston and again in Montreal. So maybe he's not as defensive of a coach as one might think. And then, you know, when you talk about Pacioretty and we'll get deeper into this in the next segment today. Uh, when we talk about no trade clauses and what each player has as far as teams that they cannot be traded to. A couple of players also have no uh, movement clauses. But Pacioretty right now has a 10-team no trade clause. Uh, where do you think he might want to wind up if indeed he is on the trading block? Um, I mean, it's going to be someone that's a competitor first and foremost. Um, and it's going to be someone that can take on $7 million with the potential of looking to resign. And there's just not that many teams, Tony, that 
have that much cap space available. The cap has not, um, unfortunately, with COVID and everything, the salary cap has gone up. Well, it, it didn't go up the first year after COVID. And I think it only went up one or, or 1.5 million coming into uh, 22-23. So potential targets where their competitors and have money available, that's... Uh, you know, that, that's a bit of a unicorn right there right now. Just trying to jog my memory a bit. I mean, a team like Edmonton, they, they do have some money, but, you know, they have a lot of things to look at, starting with the Vander Kane, if they're going to bring him back or not. Um, you know, a team like Pittsburgh or something, maybe looking to, uh, you know, add another piece to the puzzle. Because I believe, um, um, not, I want to say Dodonoff, uh, Malkin, I believe Malkin uh, is going to be a free agent either now or soon. So that could be something to look at. Um, basically, it's going to be a place where he's going to go in there and you know be that uh, you know that top uh, that top line forward, and someone has to be able to pay him though, and that's not an easy thing to do right now. For sure. And coming up next, we'll take a look at who has no trade clauses on VGK. We'll talk about that all next. It's coming your way right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Our next partner has a product that I literally use every day. I started to take Athletic Greens because a few factors didn't have the time. I needed more energy. I sleep much better now. I had a hard time taking all of these vitamins and what have you. And now I've been on it for approximately three months, and I really do love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It kind of has a mild tropical taste, and I actually look forward to it each and every morning. What is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day off right. That special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of those things and of course i have recommended it to a lot of my friends we've talked about this a lot on the show and i do bring it with me when i travel and it does help me to stay healthy and it is really an unbelievable product you need to try it yourself as far as price goes it costs you less than three dollars a day you are investing in your health and it's cheaper than if you have a cold brew habit it's cheaper than getting all of the different supplements yourself You're investing in it all at once in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. They have a lot of terrific uh, reviews, over 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes everywhere. And in 2020, to make matters even better, AG donated over 1.2 million meals to kids. And so they're very much involved in the community and in the future of our youth. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back on Lockdown Golden Knights. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. And we do have an important favor to ask of you. We are putting together this survey we've told you about. 
so we can learn more about the listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast, a.k.a. Locked On Vegas Golden Knights, even better. So this is your opportunity to tell us what you like, what you don't like about Locked On Podcast. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get things started. And it won't take you very long. Everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. Take our survey once again. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. And we thank you all for your help. And uh, welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas each and every day. And Chris, right before the break, we talked about no trade clauses for the Vegas Golden Knights. And Max Pacioretty, a 10-team no trade list. But we'll take a look at some of the other players. The one that was magnified this past season was Evgeny Dodonov, as his deal was negated, as Anaheim was part of a 10-team no-trade list for him. William Carlson, a 10-team no-trade list. Uh, Jonathan Marchessault, uh, 8-team no-trade list. Robin Leonard is now a part of an 8-team no-trade list. And Alex, uh, Alec Martinez, I should say, Alec Martinez, a 16-team no-trade list. So while we hear his name <laughs> swirling around out there, uh, it's almost going to be impossible to trade the defenseman Alec Martinez, if it comes to that. Um, <clears throat> yes, no, maybe. Um, it depends on the situation. Yes, the players have to submit their list of teams uh, that they I believe it's teams they would accept trades to based on the terms of their no trade clause or modified no trade clause. Uh, at the end of the day, though, a team or a player can agree to go anywhere if they are not on their um, one of the teams they would accept, but if they still sign off on it. So if he is being shopped and I'm assuming if there's you know a deal that's in the works or a potential deal in the works, I would hope. <laughs> and I mean, first of all, let's hope BGK has all these no trade clauses in all these uh you know, different spots where players okay. aren't willing to go. And let's hope uh, this list is updated correctly. Obviously, you brought off Dodonov's name. So if someone were to take Alec Martinez and it, it was that that team was not on uh, one of his preferred spots to go, he would simply have to agree to go there. And I don't know his personal situation, family, home life and all that, if he would go outside of his no trade clause um, you know, an effort to, you know, be with a different club. Uh, but he's at the point of his career now where I think he simply wants to control his destiny. He's 34 years old. I know for a fact he loves being in Vegas from uh, everyone I've talked to that host signings and stuff like that, super down to earth. And he's very happy to be here. Um, is a 34-year-old defenseman making $5 million, you know, going to be, uh, you know, a big uh, target, uh, you know, the way he blocks shots, maybe, but, you know, a year older, you know, that much closer to being injured and such. So who knows? And will he ever be the same Alec Martinez that we've seen in the past uh, post uh, injury? That was a devastating injury to him. And uh, they also have a couple of players who have no movement clauses on the Golden Knights, Alex Petrangelo and Mark Stone, uh, those two players. But when they're sitting down and negotiating, how do they decide? 
between both sides on what this no trade list might look like and why would a team like the Golden Knights, again, this is just something that is really glaring to me. Why would the team agree to a 16 team no trade uh, list for a player uh, like Alec Martinez? All in negotiating. <laughs> it's all it's all negotiating. It's all the game. It's all uh, you know about you know what would you do? What would you take? Where would you go? And you know, Alec Martinez says, "Hey, I blocked the most shots in the NHL. I'm one of the best defensemen as far as just being a pure defenseman goes. If you want me, here's my terms. Take it or leave it." And obviously, VGK uh, VGK took it, and, and you know, and good for Alec Martinez. Good for the players to have you know a little bit more power and control over you know, their situation and where they play. And, you know, I get these are professional athletes making, making in, you know, one year, you know, more money than a lot of us might see in our entire lifetime, but, you know, they got homes, they got families, they got kids and, you know, don't necessarily want to uproot them in the middle of the school year and everything. So, you know, good on these guys to have some control over how things shake out. And um, yeah. That's it. <laughs> when, we were talk- when we were talking, right, when we were talking about Pacioretty, uh, who's to say it's a one for one deal? Maybe someone will just take his salary off the books or uh, maybe there would be some other assets that are added to a list. And uh, Robin Leonard and Jonathan Marsh so with eight team, no trade list. So those might be easier uh, to trade, to unload uh, with those sort of deals in their contracts. Uh, no doubt. I mean, back to Pacioretty. Pacioretty is not a salary dump by any means. Um, it's a nine. I'm sorry. Excuse me. It's a nine team. No trade clause uh, list that he has because Montreal's out. So we know. That. <laughs> That's funny. He's not going um, back there. <clears throat> no, Pacioretty would not be a player. You simply let walk. I mean, it's a bad comparison, but it's the Marc-Andre Fleury situation where uh, they were trying to shed the salary cap and they let him walk for, a no-name prospect that wound up re-signing or something happened where BGK cut him. But it, it was basically, uh, you take this player, you give us a throwaway, and you take the contract. Uh, Pacioretty is not in that situation based on his output. I mean, if you let 60, 70, 80 points walk away just simply for the contract, you know, and then a good old Kelly McCrimmon is going to be starting off 22-23 in, in a hell of a hell of a bad manner, I guess, Um looking at some of the other players and such, you know, like, like Robin Leonard would, would Robin Leonard be a candidate to simply let walk and shed that salary? That that's a different story, obviously, uh, depending on what our end game strategy would be in net. Um, you know, the Donoff, that's another prime candidate where if someone were to say, okay, we want to Donoff, we'll pay him and we'll give you, you know, our, our third line center from our e, ECHL team, you know, and then, you know, send them back to us or something like that. Great. That would be a good way to go. But if we're going to do make a move with patch ready, um, you know, draft picks, uh, a good mid tier prospect would need to be involved because, you know, patch ready is still going to be a very serviceable player in the NHL for, you know, 22, 23, and uh, probably at least another four or five years after that, I think. Yeah. And the one thing that you can sense, do you feel the same way? I could sense something is brewing with VGK. Obviously, they still need to name a head coach, but I think there's going to be a number of moves uh, during this offseason, especially to suit a new head coach here in Las Vegas. And again, we talked about Robin Leonard 
And of course, uh, his uh, big disagreement there with Elaine Vigneault and everything that he had tweeted out. And so <laughs> Vigneault obviously would not be a candidate for a year. Uh, Claude Julian versus Max Pacioretty. We have something brewing there, perhaps. And uh, that might not work out as well. So um, as they get closer to signing and announcing a new head coach, uh, there are some players that will not be happy with the selection uh, for the next head coach for VGK. It makes it more interesting around here. Yeah, uh, the offseason definitely is not going to leave us uh, searching for content like we are right now. That's for sure. Once, uh, you know, mid-July comes and the free agents uh, start to fly um, and the trades and everything, a lot needs to be done. But, you know, to your point is, you know, something has to be brewing. No doubt something needs to be has to be brewing right now because we are, you know, every day that goes by, we don't have a coach. And there are discussions happening in the front office, I'm sure, on a daily basis about what this roster is going to potentially look like next year. But even though we are up against the cap, there are still many different ways we can go back to patch ready. You can, you know, shed patch already and, you know, look to acquire, you know, another, you know, low mid tier level defenseman and such. Should we take on one of these, you know, more or less defensive minded coaches opposite side, like a Rick Tockett, you know, who might want to be a little more on the skill side or even, even a Bruce Cassidy who has had, you know, a lot more skill on, you know, the top six and such, you know, that's maybe you look at, at, at shedding a player like Alec Martinez to, you know, either hold on to one of our expiring uh, contracts, you know, for at the forward level, or you look to add another piece, you know, you know, Forsberg's name, you know, keeps coming up from, from Nashville and such. So a lot of different ways this can go. And I I know this isn't the topic today, but I, I am still shocked that, you know, as of now, June the 9th, we're without a coach. And to be fair, there's a lot of teams without coaches too. So no one seems to be in a hurry. And I think, you know, Barry Trotz is simply evaluating and, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a bidding war happening right now. And, you know, he's looking to get paid a couple more bucks, but I think once the first name comes off the board, then you're going to see a lot more uh, moves and they're going to come very, very, very quickly. So maybe Barry Trotz is simply holding, uh, you know, six or seven teams hostage as uh, we wait to see how things, how the dominoes will fall. Uh, Bruce Cassidy, the latest update now is uh, mentioned very prominently for the head coaching job in Philadelphia. They're supposed to be having an interview with him shortly. And I picked again, June the 13th in our little mini pool uh, as the date that's next Monday, uh, the date that perhaps he names a, a new head coach in that five o'clock, seven o'clock PM news dump. <laughs> <laughs> you already passed your, your deadline. So yeah, that's the only thing we can hold on to. So hopefully they have a new head coach soon coming up next. It'll be game number five in New York in the Eastern conference finals. You're listening to locked on golden Knights. Don't you love a chewy, chocolatey brownie? What about a caramel brownie with caramel swirled on top of it? Unbelievable. I couldn't almost get the words out because it sounds so good right now. And what if we told you that you could have a chewy, chocolatey deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein? That's right, 17 grams of protein. Well, you're in luck because caramel brownie is one of the new flavors available at Built.com right now. You got to act fast because they have quickly become a fan favorite. 
Hope that they send us a box load of those, Chris. Forget about dessert. These are better than dessert. Plus the macros are off the charts. 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and just four grams of sugar. I would replace a regular brownie with Bilt's Caramel Brownie Bar in a heartbeat. And the best part, Caramel Brownie Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, like for real. With Bilt, you don't have to sacrifice tasty for healthy. You can now have both. And as we know, all of Bilt Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. And I can just say for now, that caramel brownie will rock your world. And that is an understatement. With Built, Tasty is the new healthy. Go to Built.com to get your box of caramel brownie bars right now. Built.com. You can use the promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off of your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights. It's free and available as your first listen wherever you get your podcast. Tony Cardasco and Chris Golick from Las Vegas. It's game number five in the ECF tonight, Chris. And just going back and taking a look at this series, and in particular, though, all of the series in the East where the home ice advantage has been so strong. We saw it in the Carolina-Boston series. Uh, we saw it up until the final game in the Rangers Carolina series. And now we're starting to see in this Tampa against the Rangers series where home ice has prevailed. The dichotomy uh, between home and road has just been the difference has been just incredible. Um, and tonight I am just concerned. And you know that I'm a Rangers fan. Full disclosure. I'm concerned that Tampa has just seized too much momentum coming into the game, into game number five. How do you see things unraveling or happening tonight? I should say not unraveling unless the Rangers lose, uh, but happening in this game number five showdown. Um, first of all, I don't think it's unraveling if the Rangers lose. I'm going to go back to um, the Rangers situation against Carolina and having <clears throat> two home games, though. You know, the Rangers have been behind this entire playoffs, it seems like, for the most part. So if the Rangers do fall behind three to two, I'm not panicking. I, I confidently uh, made a financial investment to the series outcome, uh, tilting towards the Rangers side at plus 150. I think there's a good chance to, um, if the Rangers win tonight, now you have, um, you know, a hedge on the other side. If you want to lock up, lock up a winner, you can wait till game seven, which would end up being basically a pick them. Uh, if you wanted to hedge at that point, um, the concern for Tampa, right? Or excuse me, the concern for the Rangers right now is twofold. One, a uh, uh, heatle situation. Will he be returning or are, are the lines going to be completely jumbled? And then the other side, we're now at the point where Braden, bad pun, I guess, but we are at the point where Braden point is no longer being ruled as not going to play. Like he's not being ruled out. He's not being ruled in. It's simply, the potential is there for him to return to the lineup uh, sooner than later. I don't think he plays tonight. I think Tampa wants him, you know, closer to full health. I think they might be rushing him a little bit, but you know, that's a big uh, one-two blow for the Rangers if Heedle is out and point returns, whether that's tonight or uh, for Game Six and or Seven. That will make things difficult. But now it's time to really see what Gallant is made out of. 
Um, Gallant had things pretty under control. He almost had, you know, that uh, dreaded three nothing lead uh, that only four teams have rebounded from, you know, going way, way back in the last 200 plus series where that's happened. Unfortunately, uh, his team could not close the door. So Tampa is alive and well right now, but Gallant's going to have to make some adjustments. He's going to have to coach the best three games of his career to give his team a chance to advance in the series. And I said this yesterday, uh, Shashurkin has to steal one of these next three games. It's a game where they might get outshot, you know, you know, 40 to 24, something like that. And he shuts out Tampa or only lets in, you know, just one goal or something like that. And it's, a, it's a small bar margin of victory. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a ton of fun. A lot of, uh, a lot of drama and the only uh, sad point right now is right now we're having every other day or so without hockey as uh, the teams travel and such. And I think there's an extra day built in because uh, you know, the, the, the person that you're, you're the president of the fan club, uh, Justin Bieber has a gig uh, in one of the two cities. That's going to mess things up as well. At Madison square garden for game seven. Yeah. Don't mess with the Biebs. And so tonight, <laughs> one of the things that I feel the Rangers are going to have to do, they're going to have to mess with Vasilevsky in net. In other words, they really need to return the favor to Tampa in all that they've done those last couple of games, which is Sturkin in net and poking at him. And we talked about them hitting him behind his legs. And, of course, we saw the Corey Perry hit and the way that we saw Shesterkin flop. Okay, but there's a lot of theatrics involved, yes, but they are getting in and they're poking away and they're taking extra wax at him. And I think tonight is the night that the Rangers have to return the favor there because you need to do something to get, you got to get Vassy out of his zone. Again, once this guy is in that zone, he's unstopped. I mean, he stops everything. And again, the most quality shot before uh, the goal uh, by Panarin the other night uh, was the shot by his own defenseman, almost the own goal. Um, so 33 saves uh, in the last game, hadn't given up a goal in 67 minutes. Uh, the only way that the Rangers are going to be able to break through is to return the favor, play more physical in front of the net. And I took a photo the other night. I don't know if you saw it on my uh, Twitter handle, but the Rangers did put a lot of traffic in front of the net, which is a good thing. But I also took a dig at VGK by saying, this is what traffic looks like. You know, it's five players in front of the net. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I we couldn't could, resist. I just could not resist. <laughs> we, we we could definitely go on and on about um, the creativity and all the uh, the ways uh, teams are finding uh, to score in the, in the Stanley Cup playoffs and stuff that VGK. Uh, I'll take my dig at DeBoer. Things that have we haven't seen since Gallant left the team. Unfortunately, um, I don't know how much I completely agree with your statement about messing with with uh, Vasilevsky. Um, the refs are going to be watching for that sort of thing. And especially if Ryan Reeves plants himself, there's going to be uh, the, the top official, the, the back the back official, if you will, will have his eyes planned on Reeves. And if Reeves does go in the paints and make contact, you know, you don't want to take a real cheap goaltender interference penalty. You look at the way they scored on him in games one, two, and three with puck movement, odd man rushes and such. They need to focus on recreating that. Uh, once you start playing into Tampa's game, now they're controlling things. 
you don't want to play into what Tampa is doing. If you get a shot to, you know, do a little something fine, but if you're just simply going there and every single play, you're sending someone to the paints to get, try and get under, under his skin, it's going to backfire. The, the, the refs will set an example if they feel that they are simply, no one's going to take a run at, at either of the goalies. Let's be clear about that. But if their only goal is to get into that paint and start messing with him, <clears throat> you know, I don't, you know, maybe someone will pull the old Sean Avery uh, on Martin Brodeur, you know, going back uh, probably a decade and a half ago now where it was a five on three and uh, Sean Avery just simply faced Martin Brodeur and had his hand up trying to screen him. And then the, uh, the Sean Avery rule was, was born shortly thereafter about screening the goalies. So I don't see anything like that happening, but Rangers got to play Rangers hockey and quick hockey, get up and down the ice quick, make that first good breakout pass, nice, clean, and crisp. And then if they can get a couple of power plays, we've seen what they can do. That's the focus. Uh, leave Vasilevsky alone, get traffic to the net, and do what worked in games one, two, and three in scoring. Now, I'm not saying to pummel Vasilevsky. No, no, no. I'm I know, I know. To take some extra shots and wax at him the way we have seen repeatedly. Uh, Tampa did in the two games there at home. Uh, and, of course, that's uh, the psychological warfare, that part of the game. Five mm -hmm. on five, Tampa has just been superb. I mean, uh, the Rangers, I don't think, can win this uh, in a five on five battle. Uh, the key is for the Rangers to be aggressive and to get uh, the Tampa players into the penalty box. And that's the number one key in tonight's game. No doubt. And that I agree with wholeheartedly. Um, you know, play tough, play physical, do all the things that got you to this point. And yes, if, if you got a shot to, you know, to pester the goalie, and not just and not just Vasilevsky, but anyone, if you got a shot to maybe get them off of their game, by all means, you, you take that shot uh, 10 times out of 10, you know, but if you fall behind a goal pretty quickly and all of a sudden you see him pushing a lot harder to the net and, you know, looking for that contact and such, then you've lost the game already. You haven't uh, made an announcement yet that you're going to be betting on the Rangers. Uh, for the remainder of the series, so I'm a little bit concerned. I told there. you, I told you earlier. I bet I'm, I, I bet I took him plus 150 to win the series. You still did. You came I back did last again. night. Absolutely. Okay, 100%. so last night you came back at plus 150. That's great value. Yeah, plus on the 150 with with two home games potentially. I don't. Why do you believe so much in this team? I'm just curious. Um, it's more of the situation than it is the team. To be completely honest, um, I believe that Tampa's run good. You know, I'm still in the poker mindset, but uh, mm -hmm. I believe Tampa's run good at some point has to slow down. They've played so many games. Um, you know, we, we could go deep into the, the makeup of each team, but Tampa does have a better overall roster. There's no doubt about that. But the Rangers do have, you know, the first or second best goalie in the league. However, you want to split those hairs. Uh, they're hungry. And looking at this series, particularly this situation, it's two out of three and the Rangers are a spectacular Madison square garden right now. So I think the Rangers find a way to win tonight. Then they just got to find a way to win one of the next two. And the Rangers have to get Strom and Heedle back into the lineup. And well, the way helps. that those uh, lines were jumbled the other night, uh, there just wasn't the chemistry, you know, that we've seen in games one and two of this series. And I think tonight's game is going to be a high scoring affair though, back at MSG. I just think uh, again, and why have the Rangers, here's a question I've been meaning to ask or to discuss. 
why have the Rangers and in the playoffs, why have teams been so successful in going to the blocker side of Vasilevsky? Uh, Vasilevsky? They, they definitely have exploited this uh, area that's a weakness now of Vasi, which I never saw before. But at last check, I think it was like 19 or 20 goals in the playoffs that he has yielded from the blocker side. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's a lot of there, there's people that are paid a lot of money to scout the other team from the video side and and stuff like that. There's a lot of money invested. So, you know, it's no different than going back to my poker, uh, you know, recent poker play. Uh, you pick up a tell on your opponent and you exploit that weakness as much as you can. All right. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have much more. Hopefully, uh, we'll get more from this coaching search and uh, bring you up to date on the latest news and developments with the Vegas Golden Knights. And thank you all for making Lockdown Golden Knights your first listen every day. The second listen has to be Lockdown NHL. Lockdown NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday, free and available wherever you get your podcast. And for my man, Chris G. Chris Golick. I'm Tony Cardasco from Las Vegas. We'll see you once again tomorrow right here on Locked On Golden Knights. Take care.